The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com From the deepest, darkest grooves, to the backwoods swamp near the bottom, from the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. This is Amanda Burst from Fright Night and Married with Children, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Butch Patrick. That's right, Eddie Munster from The Munsters, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Alex Lohman from the 13th Street Morgue and Dungeon of Doom, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. (laughs) And you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. (laughs) Hey, this is Lee George with Ticket Leap, TicketLeap.com, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, my name is Ginger Lynn from The Devil's Rejects, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Johnny Wolfenstein and Monster Zero from Trick or Treat Radio, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. here. I'm up. Was that a dream? Was it a nightmare? No, I guess it wasn't. But 2020 was a most interesting year. Wow. Wow. Anyway, folks, welcome to 2021. The Big Scary Show is here, and we will continue to be here. And we're going to be bringing you all the latest happenings and going-ons in the industry. This is episode 227. Storm will be ranting in a haunt minute as usual. Meat Hook Jim will be bringing you Between the Corpses. Badger's reading the news. Jerry Vane is bringing you a trio of really cool tunes to kick 2021 off right. Veister's back with his haunted vista. And otherwise, here's to a great year. 
it's got to be better than what we had before. So once again, folks, this is episode 227 of The Big Scary Show, New Year's edition. Oh, almost forgot about the roundtable. We, uh, we look back at 2020 and the year that was and all the, well, garbage that went through. And, uh, we look forward to this year. So, here's to 2021. Happy New Year from The Big Scary Show. Murderland. 13 Jack-O-Lanterns on The Big Scary Show. world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free. And see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for Deadline News here on The Big Scary Show with your host, me. Drew Badger, bringing you all the latest in the haunted house, Halloween, and horror industries. 
Hello, everyone. It's Drew Badger. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Deadline News for episode 227, and we're going to start off with this news from Transworld. Hello, everyone. It's hard to believe during these challenging times that the holiday season is here, and as we all scramble to come up with creative ways to safely celebrate with family and friends, we want to update you on the status of the 2021 show. Due to the spike in numbers regarding COVID-19, we have made the difficult decision to push back our show dates from March to May. Our new dates are May 6th through the 9th, 2021. Please know that Transworld is very committed to producing the best show we can in 2021, and to deliver on that promise, we are working hard to run the show in accordance with the current COVID guidelines from the CDC, the State of Missouri, the City of St. Louis, America Center, and our hotel and vendor partners. Guidelines may change, and we recommend that you frequently review the health and safety page on our site for updates. The health and safety of our exhibitors, buyers, and staff is of the utmost importance to us. The exhibit space your company originally reserved for the 2020 shows has been reassigned to you for the 2021 shows. Your booth number and square footage will remain the same. If you have any questions regarding your space, please feel free to contact Rich Bianco at rich at haashow.com or call Rich directly at 412-812-1773. Also, if you've bought sponsorships for the show and have questions, feel free to email Jen Thaler at jen at haashow.com or call her direct at 847-323-5109. To assist you in additional planning, please refer to our websites to review the exhibitor kit, show rules, and regulations, vendor order forms, and hotel pages. All of this information will be posted within the next few weeks. We understand this has been a very frustrating process for everyone. We truly appreciate everyone's support for our show in such uncertain times. We're looking forward to seeing you all in St. Louis, May 6th through the 9th. Get more information at that website, haashow.com. We have this news from Midnight Syndicate. Midnight Syndicate is honored to be the first Lifetime Achievement Award recipient from the Haunted House website, City Blood. In presenting the award, City Blood's Noah Wolcott said, City Blood had a very difficult time deciding who should receive our first ever Lifetime Achievement Award. The winner has to be someone who's made a big impact in the haunt industry, and they have to be a true example of what Halloween, haunts, and horror are all about. City Blood's Lifetime Achievement Award winner is none other than Midnight Syndicate. The music is the soundtrack for many haunts across the country, and their dedication to all that's spooky and scary is truly appreciated. Midnight Syndicate has been entertaining Fright Seekers since 1997 with their unique and haunting soundscapes, and they deserve more credit than they get. Congratulations, Midnight Syndicate. Get more information at midnightsyndicate.com or just pop in because their music's really cool. We have this news from Ravenhurst Manor in Evansdale, Iowa. Ravenhurst Manor Haunted Attraction is for sale. We are a top five voted haunted attraction in Iowa for the last four years. We're moving and need to clear out. We have handmade animatronics, cemetery scenes, fences, columns, tombstones, crypts, and groundbreaking statues, state-of-the-art sound systems, thunder and lightning controllers, corpse hallways, basements, kitchens with a functioning sink, dining room with drop panel, library with animatomic 
animatronic drop shelf, custom props, living room scenes with an acting fireplace and another drop panel, a foyer, we're two stories, we have air cannons, pianos, corpses, candelabras, etc., an upside down room. We have too much to list, so contact them for more details on their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Ravenhurst Manor Haunted House. Hmm. We have this news from the Fright Guys, Harvest Haunted Attraction in Scottsboro, Alabama. One of the largest, most interactive haunts in the nation, brought to you from the mind of nationally renowned sports artist Greg Gamble, we're opening for the weekend of January 29th through the 31st for Anarchy. What's Anarchy? You'll have to buy a ticket to find out, if you dare. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash thefrightguys. We have this gaming news from Ghost and Goblins Resurrection via BloodyDisgusting.com. Despite Capcom not giving Ghost and Goblins Resurrection much attention during its reveal at the Game Awards a few weeks back, they've remedied that with 10 minutes of new gameplay footage for the throwback action game, which will be headed to the Nintendo Switch on February 25th. The footage comes from the latest episode of Capcom TV. Ghost and Goblins Resurrection will once again follow the Valiant Knight Arthur as he runs, jumps, and battles his way through eerie stages set in the Demon Realm, a demonic fantasy world. Arthur must overcome countless ghoulish foes on his quest to rescue the princess from the tremendous grasp of the Demon Lord. Paying homage to Ghosts and Goblins and Ghouls and Ghosts, the latest entry combines the franchise's action platforming gameplay with storybook-like graphics and challenging new obstacles. You can see that new footage on YouTube. And finally, we have this update from Days of the Dead coming to Indianapolis. It is with great pleasure that we announce the addition of actor Paul Musser to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Indianapolis, happening July 16th through the 18th, 2021 at the Marriott Center, Indianapolis. Paul Musser portrayed the iconic airport zombie in Dawn of the Dead. The iconic poster images, uh, image of Paul's zombie head rising over the horizon is featured across the world in newspapers, magazines, and on posters, DVDs, Blu-rays, T-shirts, and lots of other Dawn merchandise and memorabilia. For more information about Days of the Dead coming to Indianapolis, visit daysofthedead.com. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Preacher with the Atom Ray. A motion picture shot full of thrills. Based on scientific facts described in leading national magazines. You'll be hypnotized. You'll be terrorized. You'll be paralyzed. See a dead man come from beyond the grave. See Columbia Pictures startling. Creature with the atom brain. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by. <laughs> <laughs> 
darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> To you, from the darkest reaches of the Earth, this is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so we did it. We made it through probably one of the weirdest years possible, and we're at 2021. Yay! But you know, even though your haunt year was very different this year, some of you may have not even been able to haunt, and those that did, it took on something different. We can't forget some of the stuff that gets us to this point, that gets us through each year, and that's the haunt recharge. You know, to make sure that you recharge yourself, you, you clear out all the challenges and everything you had, and, and to get there and get those new ideas and, and fresh just haunt thoughts and, and things going. So you might need to recharge yourself a little bit. And for a lot of us, that means, like, just separating, get, getting away, even a little trip or something. You know, as reminded by my brother, he, he realized he hadn't taken a trip or even some time off for himself in the whole past year. Usually he's real big on travel and that type of things. So my brother goes, he rents a camper, and he went out into the desert in the middle of nowhere this week, which is absolutely fantastic. Beautiful pictures, just get away, he's normally in Los Angeles, just get away from things, recharge, re-go for the new year, and, you know, to work with everything you got going on. A lot of great stuff is, is in the works and stuff, especially for us haunters and things, too. So you need to recharge, and, and it's more from just, you know, going on vacation in your living room or something. You know, do something a little different, do something, get away, not even necessarily haunt-related, but even if it's for an afternoon or something, you know... Just a little something to, to recharge, change the monotony of what you got going on, and you'll find that, you know, you're, you're re-energized and get some better haunt ideas and stuff going. You know, conventions, shows, resources are still happening one way or another in the next coming months, so we need to do that recharge. You've done it in the past, you, you look back, you know what I'm talking about, but you just need to do something a little different, get your brain on a different track, and do the haunt recharge. So don't forget about that. Until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another haunt minute. And in the meantime, share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Store. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots. Variable ticket types. Bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts. And now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. 
And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2021. That's about all we can say at this point. I mean, the last year, you know, what can you say? You know, it was a very, very bizarre one. And I don't think I know a single person that was not touched in negative ways from the, shall we say, cluster that was 2020. Whether you're a haunter or not, you know, lots of terrible stuff, lots of positive stuff on the horizon, hopefully. So there is optimism out there that 2021 will be better than last year. Of course, you know, getting hit upside the head would probably be better than last year. But like we normally do this time of year, we kind of talk about what we did during 2021 as haunters, as Halloween enthusiasts. There was a Halloween season. A lot of people did not open their haunts. A lot of people did, and surprisingly, a lot of people did very well, the ones who did open. No real conventions went on last year, with the exception of HauntCon, a few horror cons that were on in January and February, and then the world just kind of shut down in March. And, well, let's just talk about what we, as the Forca hosts, did during 2020. This may or may not be a short roundtable. We'll just have to see. But uh, for those new listeners out there, welcome again. This is the Big Scary Show, and our co-hosts include up in Rhode Island, Storm. Greetings from the land of ice and lights. Nice. Down in Cincinnati, we have Meat Hook Jim. Um, I can't say much about 2020, so let's just keep moving. Okay. Up in Columbus, Ohio, we have Jerry Vane. Ah, uh, yes, the crazy burning dumpster fire that's 2020. <laughs> My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte. I actually had a, had a decent one. I mean, notwithstanding the deaths of relatives and all sorts of other stuff. But, gentlemen, it's over. <laughs> so that's all I can say. Um, what has changed since we, since we hit New Year's Day? Well, not much. There's, you know, optimism going on out there. But a year ago this week, we were talking about going down to New Orleans for HauntCon. And uh, I went, had a great time, um, saw lots and lots of cool people down there. A big contingent from the Northwest went down. Some people from Canada, people from all over the country. It was a lot of fun. I mean, if you listen to the last show, you know, we're talk to the folks from HauntCon again. They're doing a virtual show this year. So that should be kind of interesting. But basically, after HauntCon, you know, with the exception of some horror cons in February, the world just kind of shut down as far as haunt season and Halloween and everything. Came to a screeching, grinding, blood-curdling, screaming, oh my god, the world is dying halt. It didn't... It didn't... No. It was a train wreck. It, it was. I can't argue with you. Was, is, continues to be, however the hell you want to look at it. <laughs> and at the, time of, uh, at the time of this recording, it's Tuesday night. We still got two more days of this bullshit. Right. Yeah, but, you know, we got to look at it with some optimism. What else can you do, right? Laugh hysterically, curl up into a ball and cry. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically your two choices. But, uh, you know, let's look back fondly. A year ago, we were talking HauntCon. As I said, went down there, had a great time. 
a lot of fun. Saw a bunch of folks, and we were all talking trans world. Trans world gets delayed. We had that, you know, exclusive interview with Rich Bianco about it being delayed. Was it, I believe, the end of May? And then they wound up canceling it all together. And uh, we just got the news just a few days ago that trans world has delayed 2020 from its March traditional date to the first week of May. Do you guys think that within five months it's going to be better to the point where the trade show is going to happen? I doubt it. I mean, especially uh, with the, the news today that the first case of the um, the new version of the co- of COVID, the, the more aggressive version of COVID, that last week uh, had just appeared in the UK. They've already had one confirmed case in Colorado today. Mm. So, and they're not sure if the vaccine is even going to have an effect on it. Well, so, well, I don't know. If that's it, that's a bit of a stretch. No, it's I've, not. I've actually heard the opposite that the, um, no no evidence to show that the vaccine wouldn't have that type of effect. That's what the I have family CDC members that work in last. the medical profession. Okay. And this is what the medical profession is saying. As of right now, they are unsure if the vaccine, how effective the vaccine is going to be on it. That's the biggest concern right now is will the vaccine that we currently have have an effect on this new strain? It's affecting the one. It, it, they're, it, they're having a somewhat positive effect on what's currently, but is it going to affect the industry? I hope not. It would be like everybody. It would be nice to try to get some semblance. I mean, we were we were very lucky that there was actually somewhat of a season this year. The convention season is uh, I don't know I don't know I I want to be positive. I want to sure. be positive, and it's just so hard to say right now. Well, I will say that um, you know in February of last year, I was able to go to two conventions. I was able to go to the Oddities and Curiosities Expo in Charlotte. And they have, they on Halloween, they announced their their slate of dates for 2021s. As of today, they have not delayed any of those. They had to delay basically all of them from March forward. And I think there were 24 shows. So we're going to have Michelle from there, from there on sometime in, a, in the very near future to talk about that. And Days of the Dead in Atlanta, which is still at this point announcing... That they are putting on shows. Now, I believe Days of the Dead had their show in Indianapolis in July. And I cannot remember if part of it was virtual. I seem to remember there may have been like virtual panels and virtual Q&As with some guests. But others, there were guests at the show. There were people buying autographs and taking pictures and vendors there. So... I did not hear of any spikes happening after that show. I don't think they did the Chicago show, which they usually do in November. But, no, you know, they, there are, they did not. There are some horror cons out there that are still promoting that they are going to be doing shows early in the year. I mean, we've got on the news, you know, Days of the Dead Atlanta, Days of the Dead Indianapolis, Days of the Dead coming to Vegas in May. So, you know... At least they're optimistic that they're going to uh, be putting some shows on. I think the I think they probably have a better bet 
of later in the year than earlier in the year. That's just my opinion. I, I because we're still we're still spiking. Speaking of so. opinions, I've got to agree with you, Jerry. But here's my opinion of 2020. You got the sound effects board, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, have been Lordy. waiting for how long to use that effect? Right. That's fantastic. At least it wasn't the vomit. <laughs> I'm trying oh, to eat here. <laughs> But uh, I, now, do you think? Do you think? Um, you know, the ones that are trying to say that they're going to do something early in the year, do you think they're going to switch to virtual cons as well as, as like Transworld's doing? Uh, well, HotCon. Oh, is it HotCon? I'm sorry. Yeah, HotCon announced back in August that they were going to do a virtual show, and there were actually people going, "Well, why are you going to do virtual? We'll have a vaccine by then. Everything will be fine." <laughs> and well, aha. Uh-huh. No, and as you know, if you if you didn't hear the interview, go listen to it. It's on our last show. It's a fascinating interview about how it's going to run and everything. Um, they're stepping up to the plate. They're raising the bar on this because I have a feeling that, at least my opinion, is that in addition to a regular show, I think conventions are going to have to have at least some kind of a virtual aspect to it. Maybe some of the guests are too elderly or in, not in good health to travel, so maybe they'll have a virtual Q&A, or maybe they'll have a, a virtual meet-and-greet where you can have you know five minutes to speak with them one-on-one for X number of dollars or something, or you know type of a Zoom meeting kind of thing. Well, I know Comic-Con I, did something like that back uh, during the summer, it was a virtual con. Um, I, my sister, my sisters were all going to that, and I mean, from what I from what I heard from them, they had a lot of fun doing it. It's the same, no, but they still were able to get some type of experience out of it. Excellent. You know, I think that's going to probably be a a major factor of whether or not a show's going to go on. Is you know, let's face it, a lot of con guests or special guests, celebrities, and are they're not. You know, they're not the 25-year-old folks these days. A lot of them are in their 60s, 70s, or more. And some of them may not be able to travel because of restrictions or, you know, areas that are hot. So they may have a, hey, you know, five minutes with, you know, this actor cost you this. And then you do the Zoom call. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And they send you an autographed picture or they may have a stack of autographed pictures there that you get as as a as a part of this. I don't know, but I think that if if you're if you're not seriously thinking of putting on at least a small virtual aspect of your show, you're probably going to get left behind, or you're probably going to wind up having to cancel your show at least in the first half of the year. Who knows? Well, I think it's going to be interesting, um, to say the least, and I'm happy to say that I'm going to be in the forefront of that because. Um, I'm doing a workshop with uh, my partner, Donnie Hoover, with my other podcast. And uh, we are going to be doing a class on incorporating wrestling moves into your haunt character safely. An excellent segue. We were just, I was just going to say, Jim, you're going to be a part of this virtual haunt gun. I am. So I am. We just got everything put together and submitted to, uh, to Phil. 
and um, Donnie and I have a meeting tomorrow night to finalize everything so we can structure it. And the way I understand it is we're going to be doing a workshop, a very small workshop, like six to eight people. <clears throat> but HauntCon is going to record this for playback at any time on video on demand. Oh, nice. Please tell me you two are going to be in tights and in a wrestling room, ring somewhere, just going to grapple all the time. And <laughs> I would not, hate to go see that. I'm not going that far. So it's I a might, regular Friday night for you, in other words. Yeah, I'm not going that far, but I might, might wear my red assassin mask. Oh, uh, I'm definitely going to have to sign up for this. Just don't get uh, Drew in his Nacho Libre character or princess <laughs> train wrecking tights. We don't need that. So this 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 whole thing's going to be new for everybody, and uh, like I said, I'm happy to be in the forefront of it. Being, um, you know, we've got three weeks roughly before this comes down. I have, I have to take a day off from work to do this workshop. So this is something that's going to be pre-taped, and then during HauntCon itself, it's basically going to be an on-demand thing. Oh no, we're doing it live at HauntCon. Ah, on the twenty-first. That's why I have to take a day off from, oh, very nice. from the shoot job so that I can do this. And, um, you know, I'm happy to do it because it, it's going to be something unique and I, and it's just, it's, it's exciting. Hmm. I look forward to, uh, seeing what it's all about. It should be interesting at best. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on a little bit. I remember uh, back in April when uh, Transworld said that they were going to postpone and then possibly cancel. We had what had to seriously be a very depressing roundtable for everybody. We had Kevin Alvey, Patrick Voss, Gavin Gosca, and Mikey Zumbek, who were all vendors at Transworld. And do you guys remember that? Because it really was depressing. I mean, you know, they were talking about having to lay off employees and the fact that there was not going to be a trans world was going to be devastating to the vendor side of it. But uh, from what I've heard, a lot of vendors actually did okay this year. You know, they they weren't able to display their products out, you know, in a trade show form or fashion. But they uh, they apparently had a lot of good online orders. And it kind of translated into a somewhat decent Halloween season for the haunts that did open. And I guess it was that depressing that nobody can remember that. <laughs> oh, no, I remember, just didn't know what the question was. <laughs> well, it really the wasn't a question, it was just but, kind but of I a mean, comment. Even, you know, that was at the very beginning of everything, a lot of uncertainty right. how things were going. And even at the beginning of that discussion, yeah, it started off a little depressing, and, and you know, the uncertainty and, you know, the wrong kind of fear with it. But by the end of it, the, you know, having a conversation with other haunters, thinking about things, getting other perspectives on it, and then starting to embrace technology, you know, that's where a lot of this year is gone and a lot of the season is gone. It, you know, back in the spring and and early summer, didn't know what was going on. And some of the haunts had to make the tough choice of to run or not run this uh, very early on. Others were making a little later. And, you know, the ones that aren't running, you know, it, it's a big choice with that because this is a year that wasn't, 
this wasn't going to be a year you're going to make money. This was going to be an investment in your haunt type of year. And, you know, each haunt set up a little bit differently and structured differently to, to see if they could do that. The areas of the country are a little different on what's possible if people can go out. I mean, on Halloween itself, up here in New England, we had several inches of snow, which has never happened before. And that really put a damper on things, uh, even with or without some areas having spikes at the time. But, you know, as, you know, like that round table and as the season progressed, you know, haunters got to talk. They got to brainstorm. They got to embrace some of the new technology. And we started seeing some really neat, unique ideas coming out there. We started seeing more stuff online. We started seeing drive through haunts, which, you know, really blossomed um, for the uh, Christmas holiday season with the drive through light shows. I don't know um, how it is in your guys' areas, but the ones that set up here and started out with those, they sold out like the first night. They've had to expand and, and build out the show and have shows open up last minute with it. So, you know, it, it, that roundtable really was an indicator with the season on, you know, it's going to take a little work. It's going to be hard, but you can get out of this funk and and... and a little bit of fear that you started with and work into something very positive and progressive by the end of it to make the most out of a, a very challenging situation. Right. That uh, haunt in Utah that opened back in July, the halfway to Halloween event, um, the first haunt doing, you know, COVID safety practices and all that in the middle of a riot. I mean, they alone, helped with what they you know learned from doing uh, uh, their event that actually was a fount of information for other haunts that weren't quite sure how are we going to do this Absolutely. i mean i mean it, you know and again you're you're dealing with like having to do the, the covid practices safety making sure everybody you know uh, the, the temperature checks and the sanitation and six feet apart and all that and again, like they were told us uh, when we had them on the show, they had protesting and rioting going on. What was it like two blocks away? Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Salt Lake. I don't remember. Yeah, it was where. in Salt Lake. But I, but yeah, they were they weren't able to open on Saturday because of rioting. They were going to be open Friday and Saturday, and they were only able to open on Friday. Right. And they were talking about the. This is Fear Factory SLC. They had put together a at least 30-page safety guide, and they made that available to other haunts. And we had guests on in September and October who were using their safety guides to open this year. You know, how to get around the, you know, the the social distancing aspect or how to get around the, the keeping everything sanitized. And, and they had all the answers or they had a large amount of answers. So it was a, that was a, that was probably the first sign for me anyway, that the, the year was actually going to happen because, you know, with the, with the round table we had in April, it was like, are we really going to have a Halloween season? And then when they did their halfway to Halloween and showed that it could be done. I was like, well, that's a good sign. I, th I think there will be at least, you know, a large number of haunts that will open. So, you know, 
you're absolutely right. It was, you know, a, a positive thing that they did. And I have a feeling that, uh, that, that pamphlet out there is probably going to become an industry standard as far as keeping things clean. And, and one of the things I remember in September or when, oh gosh, Heidi, Heidi Dunfield, when she was back on the show, she said that one of the things that they did not have was the post Halloween season crud that everybody gets sick because everyone's touching everything and everyone's using everything and everyone's sharing, you know, whatever, but keeping everything sanitized and clean. A lot of people did not get sick after the Halloween season. The first year with no hot crud. That's, you know, ironic given, given the state of the world right now, but that's, that was uh, something fascinating. And I think a lot of haunts are going to keep that cleanliness standard out there. Did anybody actually get out to a haunt this season? Uh, I didn't. No. I Which one did you go to? I went to Backwoods Oddities, where I usually go every year. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I got to give Alan credit. He was really, really pushing the, um, the safety measures and as much social, social distancing as possible. <clears throat> uh, and he had the sanitation stations throughout his haunt. Uh, a lot of the actors were positioned to be six feet away from you at least. Uh, but he still put on a great show, which uh, which made me feel good because he really thought outside the box on it. Nice. I like the fact that a lot of the haunts, you know, had their actors wearing masks, wearing face masks, but they used airbrushing techniques and makeup techniques to make the mask actually part of the character's visage. That was actually very ingenious in a lot of places. Yeah. There were some beautiful photos on social media with some of those actors. And it was hard to tell some of them were actually wearing masks if you didn't see the straps going behind the ears and otherwise you would never know. Right. They were great. Uh, I went to one haunt this summer in South Carolina. It was one of those like Friday the 13th, I think. And then I went to one during the season another outdoor haunt and you know, the social distancing there is so much easier than one that's in a building. But like you said, Jim, there were sanitation stations everywhere. They were really good at time ticketing, which is another thing that exploded this year. You know, we got there when we were supposed to, there was not a lot of people in the parking lot. And I was like, Oh God, are, are there just not people coming to the haunt? And he's like, no man, we're sold out almost every night, but we only have X number of people coming every half hour through the show. So I thought that was ingenious. Yes. But, uh, you know, we had talked about time ticketing being a big thing now. And I think that a lot more haunts are going to be doing that as well. And I'm trying to remember what some of the other things were besides, you know, keeping things a lot cleaner, keeping the social distancing and, and time ticketing, how they're going to keep customers safe. So some good things actually did come out of the season in the midst of this whole thing. Like you said, with the time ticketing, with the social distancing, keeping things clean. I mean, the, a lot of this is going to have effects on the industry, you know, from here on out. Absolutely. It's going to, you know, a lot of these things are going to be permanent permanent things now so at least i don't see us going back to the way things were do you think that the haunt industry has been permanently changed 
by this. Some people are saying that this is going to move from a pandemic to an edemic where COVID's never going to be eradicated like smallpox. It's just going to be one of those things where you have to get a vaccine like every year, like the flu. But do you think that it, that's going to permanently change the way we do conventions and trade shows and haunted houses? I think it will have an impact on it. Definitely. Uh, Long term, all depends on if people continue to follow the protocols. You know, you know, like I'm anything, thinking. like anything, people, a lot of people, when something first starts, they'll fall along with it. But after a while, if it starts, you know, if they feel it's an inconvenience, oh, I'm getting tired of this. Then you fall back on to the problems we had before. One can only hope that learning what we learned from this year will have long term ramifications that will actually improve things and be beneficial. Sure. But I mean, it, it all, thinking, again, it all comes down to everybody working together. I'm also thinking like, you know, the larger haunts that are out there that have been around for 20, 30 years that are so tightly packed with very narrow corridors and, and just room after room where you're just squeezing into little tiny areas. I'm wondering if those are going to have to widen out if they're going to have to clean out some of those larger areas i think outdoor haunts probably had it the best this year safest at least as far as keeping people distanced but i'm wondering you know you go into a place like netherworld where it's just wall to wall everything and they were open this year and i did not go down so i don't know how their season went i assume it was great but i'm wondering if they're going to have to you know, modify their building and modify and other big haunts are going to have to modify a lot of the ways that they run people through now or, you know, just so they can keep social distancing and stuff like that. I also think some of the long-term effects are um, really going to be dependent upon other industries and how things go. You know, this year was very successful for haunts that were able to open, were able to have, you know, the right protocols in place because there was a lot less um, competition for entertainment, period. Uh, you know, here in the Northeast, movie theaters were pretty much shut down. Live entertainment wasn't existing. Uh, sports didn't have crowds and stuff. So if any of that is more permanently affected, you know, movies might be the biggest uh, push on that one. So, you know, even if uh, there's half as many movie theaters in your area, well, that will definitely be a percentage increase in, you know, the drop-off babysitting uh, type of customer that you're going to see at your haunt. So this year is definitely an indication of how the customer base might be changing for your haunt based on your area, based on what competition is out there, and who's showing up to a haunt. You know, some areas had to um, really address a new challenge of, of violence and a more unruly crowd, which isn't that, you know, haunts attracted more of that element or anything. It's just that's who showed up because they weren't going anywhere else. You know, that I don't know if you guys sometimes have been to a movie theater on a Friday night and a bunch of, you know, teenagers get a little crazy and you think they're about to start something with each other and, you know, a fight's about to break out. That happens every once in a while. But when that's happened this year with a haunt and stuff, it's, it's a little bit of a different element 
uh, especially if you're used to more of a family thing or an older college crowd or something. So I think it's, you know, with the technology changes, the other challenges we've had, it's it's been interesting and haunts to see where their customer base might be changing for years to come. And, you know, if if you want a different type of customer, if you want something different, you might be looking at different price points. You might be looking at an entirely different show to compete and do something you know, different. Um, you know, I, I really think we'll see some haunts hold on to the drive-through concept uh, going in the future, even if it's expanding through that. I mean, if you look at one sense, the drive-through really creates an active parking lot. If you have the area and stuff to do it, you can use your, uh, you know, the haunt props and, and supplies, uh, minimal actors on it. You don't need to have a ton at every scene it's more of a ooh and ah and you know that many cars are actively going through your haunt instead of sitting in a parking lot while everybody goes through your haunt so that could actually inc- increase flow through at a haunt if you have the ability to have a walk through and a drive through and you know maybe even indoor haunt you know the 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 more we see screen parks open up i i think you might see them keeping a uh, drive-through element and a lot of these farms and everything where it was that type of successful and can be policed and the right technology with it you know we might see a change in the industry with that and see drive-through a new category in haunting going forward you you have you have a valid point on the fact that a lot of the uh, outdoor hunts both storm you and jim you know mentioning you know backward oddities and and a lot of the um, haunts, the, you know, the cornfields and all that. The, the having that open space has definitely made a, a difference for them to be able to actually open and do some semblance of normality. I guess is the best way to put it. But you brought up a valid point about uh, theater storm, about the movie theaters, and about the violence. Where I live, we have a movie theater literally right across the street from us. And we did have the theater was closed, and once it did open, we did start seeing a lot more, um, a lot more issues with uh, kids coming through the complex. And uh, I know that some cars uh, got messed with in our area. That last year we didn't have that problem, and a lot of it has to do with people just getting out the aggression of being cooped up for so damn long. You know, I mean, like we talked about in one of the other roundtables, the, the the amount of violence, I don't want to use the term violence, but amount, the amount of problems that Haunts had this year compared to previous years with uh, unruly customers and everything was definitely on the rise compared to last year. And it does give concern whether or not it's going to, it's just, is this a continuing trend was it just because of the year, you know, how is this going to affect things moving out? I'd love to see if those were actual increases in violence or if that was the amount of those types of incidents you'd see when several other movie theaters, other shows, other haunts were open. If it was, you know, more more butter spread out further on the bread type of deal. Uh, you know, it, it didn't seem to be like a, an epidemic and people targeting haunts with the type of violence. I think it was just, you know, 
lack of places to go and haunts were able to step up and, you know, be that type of entertainment because we've always been such a unique category. Uh, which also leads to the other neat part of it this year for, you know, uh, both the Halloween season and the Christmas season is the home haunters stepping up this year. And the displays and stuff going on was absolutely phenomenal this season. Unbelievable. And believe me, media and everything took notice of that. You, Those home haunts were jumping up and everybody seemed to be doing just a little bit more and and not even like, oh, I got to have 10 more things on there. It was a little bit of refinement and figure it out. And then everybody coming up with candy shoots and, and trying to make it so Halloween happened. Absolutely. We had a new neighbor on the other street across from us that every night you could look out the front window and you could see the glow <laughs> above the trees from, you know, he probably had 60 different things running in his yard, animatronics and static props and lights. And his Christmas display is still going on. I could see the glow right now out the front window where I'm assuming he'll keep that up through at least New Year's, where there's probably 80 different things in his yard right now. I hope he did not get any letters from from the Karens in the neighborhood or anything, because I think it's just fantastic. And and hopefully next year there will be more people on his street take, taking his advice and putting more stuff up. So that that should be a lot of fun to see. But I do want to remind you, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We are talking about the year 2020 and looking into 2021 to see what could possibly be happening with the haunt industry. We're going to take a very short break and we'll be right back. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane. Only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Vane takes you into Black Moon Asylum. A twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from instrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror, talking about the year that was and looking ahead into 2021 with our normal panel of co-hosts, Storm, Meat Hook, Jim, Jerry Vane, and myself. And, um... Some things we had just talked about before we went into the break. One of them was drive-through haunts. I mean, we had had a guest, I believe, in Virginia. I think it was Jesse Haley that had a drive-through haunt. And I remember when these first were announced, there was a lot of people on social media saying this was a horrible idea. You know, people are going to run into each other. They're going to run over actors and. I don't think that really came to be. In fact, you know, Storm, you you had mentioned that these were, were good things, and I think a lot of haunts are going to incorporate a drive-in or drive-through part of their haunt for reasons that you've that you've given. But uh, overall, I think that was kind of a positive positive impact on the haunt industry this year. Yeah, it was it was real neat, and we didn't see anything of those accent stuff because people really stepped up to you know 
how to do it, how to do it uniquely and safely. I mean, you know, coming from background, working a haunted hayride, a large outdoor haunt, and, you know, seeing how people just park normally at a uh, large haunt. Um, You know, I don't think we ever had a little more than a little fender bump here and there in the parking lot. But, you know, people get crazy and we'd have to have people out there directing. And haunts, you know, that did the drive through stepped up with that. And I remember seeing a TV show where they'd send somebody out to one of these drive through haunts. And the fact that they're using like red, yellow, and green lights to control traffic and move things along. And, you know, it, sometimes they were haunts seemed to be pushing more on the weight than try and push everything through and make it dangerous. Even the uh, Halloween jack-o'-lantern spectacular they had here in Providence you know, things would get behind by an hour rather than, all right, well, everybody drive at seven miles per hour instead of four, you know, type of deal. So while they're trying to push push through and, and work with the show with it, they really learned and didn't do it at an expense of safety this year. You know, I think the one accident heard about was just your normal, you know, somebody running a hayride on a road without lights and rolled into a culvert uh, issue. So... You know, that could happen any season. So that was neat, the technology and and, uh, haunts, you know, uh, pushing with that and being real unique with that. What about you guys? Do you see any unique haunt concepts pop up at the end of the season around you? Other than, like, really the time ticketing and the fact that the one haunt I went to did not have that many people there. And that was because of the time ticketing. That was like the, the the big major difference I'd seen anywhere. They didn't have a hayride or anything. It was just a, they had a cornfield, corn maze, and then they had a trail. It was almost a mile long, three quarters of a mile. You went through a couple of buildings, but they did a really good job of keeping the groups in check. They wouldn't let any group more than four people go through, even if you were a family of five. They were not letting more than four go through. And, you know, in the one I went to in July and the one I went to in October, I never hit a conga line and I never ran into another group, which is unheard of, especially during October. So there was that. So I was pleased with that. And I only went with, you know, my daughter both times when we went to the haunt. So we didn't have to worry about the groups or anything, but... You know, I think a lot of haunts concentrated more on quality rather than quantity this year. Like I think was said earlier this year, a lot or earlier this roundtable, a lot of haunts kind of redirected their focus on improving the things that they had. I don't think a lot of people went out and bought, you know, eighty thousand dollars worth of new props. They may have gone in and rewired everything or reinforced their sound system and reinforced their security measures and and did a lot of internal things that, you know, could be, you know, beneficial for the next five or six years as opposed to that one brand new wow prop animatronic or or whatever. They had more time to work on the details and make, I don't want to use the term elaborate, make give more to the look rather than okay here's a plywood with black split splashed on it and a couple stack props they were actually able to go and enhance things a little more uh because they had the time they weren't going to different conventions and running around and okay now it's you know it's july i've got july now i gotta you know try to 
get everything done in two months, you know, because of everything. I mean, I talked to Jason at Carnage, and they literally, the week after they closed for 2019, completely dismantled the haunt and moved into another building. And they spent, they've been able to spend the, the last year really trying to get the, everything ready. Unfortunately, the majority of the haunts here in Columbus did not open. I, I believe 13th, uh, 13th floor did, and uh, Hoochie did. I know Hoochie did. And we had a, uh, there was a, um, uh, a hayride out in Pataskala that opened as well. And they were, uh, like, like Storm was saying, um, a lot of these guys were able to really enhance with the time ticket sales and keeping groups at a, at a small. I mean, anybody who's gone to, to um, Haunted Hoochie knows it's nuts to butts 99% of the time. And people are still there two hours after the haunt closed because there, you know, there's so many people. Um, I spoke to my friend Trish, who works there, and she said, you know, limiting the amount of people coming through actually gave them the opportunity to add an extra day on to open. So the amount of tickets that they sold normally for one night, you know, for one weekend, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they were able to spread it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And in some cases, they got close to the end of the season, open up on Wednesdays. And they actually ended up having record sales and record turnout during a pandemic, which is one thing that a lot of haunts were saying, our numbers were better than last year, and we're in a pandemic. What the hell's going on? You know? I think it came down to, as we've discussed before, people were so starved for entertainment that, you know, people that didn't ever think about going to a haunted house. Oh, well, those are for kids type things. We're like, oh my God, there's a haunted house open in my area. Let's get out of the house and go. And I think, you know, haunts may have picked up a new group of supporters through that. But it does also bring up the question for the haunts that did not open you know, I I have no idea what the numbers are. How many didn't versus those that did? Um, how many of those haunts may not come back because it was you know they had spent a lot of money in 2019 and they made some of it back in 2020 and they were going to buy stuff at Transworld this year or Midwest or wherever and they just never opened. So they brought in no revenue, no income. There's going to be some haunts out there that just don't ever come back. And, you know, there's a, been a couple in this area that did not open in 19 that said they were going to come back in 20 and obviously didn't. And now that's two years. So I, I wonder if at least a couple of them in my area are ever going to come back. And I'm, I'm wondering how prevalent that's going to be around the country, especially places that are known for having a lot of haunts in a small, small area. Like the trailer haunts. I mean, the majority of haunts in Las Vegas are trailers. I mean, you're talking a 55-foot trailer. You know, we, we all know how wide those things are not. So haunts like that, you know, we, we've gone to trailer haunts on some of the bus tours. It's almost impossible for them to try to 
rearrange their flow through in such a cramped space when that cramped space was actually part of what made that attraction what it was and it added to the to the, the overall feel. I don't think I saw either of the ones in Vegas opened at all. You know, wow. and so can, are they going to recover? You know, I mean, but then you've got the large ones that still didn't open either. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard to say, you know, you know, like you were saying, you know, Netherworld opened. And I'm cur- I'm very curious as to how they pulled it off, given, like, you know, like we've said, they're nuts to butts normally. How they were able to pull yeah. it off when haunts that were bigger than that still were not able to open. It, I mean, a lot of those places also have escape rooms and they have other other sources of income along with the haunt. So, you know, I don't know of, you know, too many places that, you know, that were closed that didn't have, uh, you know, the places that closed were just the haunt. The places that may have had a, 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 an escape room or a haunt museum or some other kind of, you know, axe throwing or some of these you know, zombie paintball stuff. A lot of those were open because it wasn't just the haunt that you could go on. You could also go out and throw axes at a target or go, you know, go through an escape room, which a lot of those are open year round. So, you know, I think some of those places were, were doing okay. Even if the numbers were down, but I know, you know I know Wells township, uh, what, from what I saw the live feeds they were doing, they were still doing the social distancing, but we all know how cramped Wells Township is. Oh, yeah. And they were still able to do the social distancing, do the six feet apart, keep the actors safe, keep the patrons safe, and they still have the escape rooms open as well. Do they you know still I mean? have that? Do they still have that cage that like drops you down? A floor. I can't remember what I they call it. I don't that. know. I don't know. I oh. did not. I. I. Uh, they wanted me to come out, but we weren't. I uh, wasn't able to. So oh. I don't know. So, and I wonder about things like that. You know, there's a haunt up here called Burger Woods where, for years, they would have these cages that they would lock you in, and then the cages would lie at a ninety degree angle flat. So you're lying on your back in this cage, and somebody would come and jump on the top of the cage and menace you. And, I, and I'm just wondering, with all those people getting packed into a cage, you know, are they sterilizing it after every group that comes through? Are they cleaning these things? Are the people who have to sit down for a thing, or people that have to go through slides and shoots and crawl through stuff? It does make they me actually, wonder. Uh, uh, some of the haunts that had slides, uh, I did read that in between each group, they had somebody stationed to literally go through and spray everything down before the next group came through. So some some did have that, yes. I don't know if all of them nice. did, but I, I do recall reading um I know the Beast did. Right. Uh, the the cause the Beast has that huge slide that goes all the way to the oh, top, yeah. all the way to the bottom. That now I don't story. know if that I don't know if they had the slide open or not. But sorry, whiskey's right here. Uh, he <laughs> wants food. Um I don't know if they actually used had the slide in operation. I never saw. But uh, a lot of places that have Something like that, yeah. They, um, I do recall reading that they had they were hiring people to just to clean in between groups. 
Yeah. Again, a, a vendor innovation. You got a big slide. You you need a costume made completely out of fiber mop heads, and you just dunk the actor into rubbing alcohol and send them down every six people. <laughs> that, that's tremendous. Yeah, and, and hopefully there'll be a vendor at Transworld that does that. <laughs> Absolutely, innovation working for you. And I, th- you know, I think that's the thing we saw. You know, the haunts which you know, we're open to innovation. We're more than a haunt. You know, we try new things and do a little bit of risk. You know, they found success with that. And we, I think we've seen that just across the board with all the different industries. You look at restaurants and the ones that struggled the most and, and might not be in existence right now are the ones that didn't have online ordering, didn't have anything set up with, you know, any of the grub hubs or any of that set up uh, right there. And, you know, Restaurants had to really make a decision and go, all right, do I need to jump on board with this and get it going? Or do I want to try and just do what I always did, stick my head in the ground and hope things are better sooner than later? And, you know, I, I think, you know, the same can be said with haunts in the industry and, and even our vendors and stuff. You know, it's the vendors which will have new technology and something different. Um, ideally, you know, if, if things progress and get better, there's going to be a lot more um, um, competition uh, in the fall next year. So, you know, with your haunt, you got to be planning now to have yourself set aside because whether, you know, twice as many haunts will be open or if some movie theaters will be open or some sports will be being played. Uh, it's, it's going to be different than this year. And I, I think that's also going to be a change in marketing and, and how, to, how to do things effective. I, I think, you know, if you had a haunt open this year and you did coupons, that was a mistake. There's no need to do coupons this year. You, you know, it, it, you were either drawing people or you weren't. You know, a, a coupon's not going to bring people in on Thursday. The, you know, as you guys were talking about earlier, you know, with the especially, you know, haunts out in the Columbus area where they would have the weekend open and because they limited what they could bring in, they'd sell out and go, well, do people want to come in Wednesday? Open up ticket times on a Wednesday. Oh, look, that filled up. You know, we're, we're going to get to a point where you don't need a coupon to try and encourage people to come on Thursday. They're going to see it's sold out Sunday and Saturday, and they'll go, well, when else can I go? And Thursday will work. So that time will be more valuable to them than a couple dollars off. So, uh, you know, we, we might see a demise of coupons if haunts really embrace the time ticketing and we still see um, a lot of people wanting to do it and you know building on the traditions that they may have started last year of going on attraction it was so neat how many how many stories were we keep hearing of people who had never been to a haunted attraction before but went this year for the first time ever yeah that's true and, and you bring up a really good point and i know you follow marketing trends uh we had dick terhune on i believe in february and, you know, we were talking about with this being an election year, every scrap of advertising is going to get bought up on the radio and the TV and how are haunts going to be able to market everything. And that was, of course, before everything shut down. Uh, haunts had to come up with some, let's say, unique ways of getting people in the door, you think? Or did they because people were so starved to get out and do something that all a haunt basically had to do was say, hey, we're open. And, and people would just come flooding in. 
It's a little bit more than just saying, hey, we're open. It was directing people right type of focus. And this year, if you had a haunt open and you're doing online time ticketing, you had your focus. You weren't trying to draw people there on Saturday night to get in line at the ticket box office. You deliberately had to point people to your point of sale, usually your website or something like that. So I, I think haunts were a little bit more focused on their advertising. You didn't just need a billboard saying we're open to remind you, hey, instead of doing a movie or instead of doing this or going to a party on Friday, you want to come see us, you know, you didn't have to push that that much. You just had to direct people to your website. And then the wonderful thing, which is the same reason why there's no toilet paper on the shelf, is the fear of missing out. You know, you see people walking off with toilet paper. You see there isn't toilet paper on the shelves. And, and that's that's the problem with toilet paper and toilet paper math. 50 purchases of toilet paper takes up a hell of a lot more room than 50 cans of green beans. And, you know, it's a lot easier to restock the 50 cans of green beans. So people go to your website and they see, oh, Saturday's sold out. Well, oh, oh, I, I need to buy my tickets for Wednesday today because I don't know if they'll still be there in a week. Uh, I don't know if I'm going. That's a neat part, too, is how many, you know, I was seeing a trend where if you had a deal and you sold your tickets early, if people couldn't make it, they're finding a way to get rid of the ticket. They're giving it to a friend. They're selling it to a friend for ticket price. It's still the same to you as long as you don't get hit with any counterfeit and can still work it and it's still fair. You know, people weren't stuck with tickets they couldn't use. They were finding a way to spread it out. And that was, you know, self-marketing right there. You, you have your customers pumping your show. So the question is, do you think we're going to have any pandemic toilet roll paper monsters? Oh, yeah. Somebody's going to do something like that when they, oh, when they, they have got it out to. there. I'm sure they have. I they mean, got you know, to. It's, it, that, that's always fun. You know, the, the, <laughs> I, I was actually wondering if we'd see more of that with Halloween night and the night before Halloween. You know, you had a lot of angry people at home with one ply toilet paper. And I was really <laughs> expecting... A lot of that to be in trees come November 1st. They got the lavender scented when they wanted the non-scented. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> remember at the height, it wasn't even that. It was, you know, even even now today, you know, you might not get the brand you want. I, I always wonder, do I wipe my ass with the puppy or with the baby? I can never remember the name of the toilet paper. I just whatever mascot they got on there to show the softness. But, right. you know, it, back in the spring, it wasn't softness. It was if it's on a roll and it's not sandpaper, we need some for home because no practical human knows, A, how much toilet paper they have at home and B, how much they go through in a week. So. Oh, or the I space for the all of it. I need it. Oh, yeah, true, true. <clears throat> I mean, you know, it's like we we were talking about, you know, the, all you know, the different marketing things that come from this. Okay, well, you have claustrophobia tunnels, and you've got, you know, the biohazard things with misters. I see somebody doing, you know, biohazard, the biohazard misters, but it's sanitizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I asked laughs> my, sorry, my wife. <laughs> Don's cracking up on that one. <laughs> I actually see claustrophobia tunnels not being around for a while. I didn't see any this year. Probably won't see any in 2021. 
they may come back if the pandemic is really, really under control because that is just a germ breeding ground, you know, with sweat and blowing your nose and all that stuff. And, you know, a lot breathing. of those like the, the, yeah, the rooms full of body bags that you have to fight your way through mm -hmm. and, and all that, the mm -hmm. stuff that involves a lot of touching. I it's see gonna, a lot of haunts not doing that this year. Oh, it's gonna. It, the, this whole pandemic is going to is going to have haunts completely rethinking everything that they've done in the past, and you know. Uh, but I think because of it, a lot like the body bags and all that, they're going to come up with some more interesting things that I think are probably going to be even cooler. Misdirection and lighting, and and that type of show. Mm -hmm. So you're going to want to have that projected image distracting the crowd. Set your actor in a very, very unique costume will come out and get them. That's going to be probably more of what you see with the trend. You know, less of your claustrophobia purchase and more on lighting and distraction effects to spread out both your patrons and their attention and, and cover more ground, especially if you're designing haunts with more than a standard three foot, you know, passable length. If you're doing six, nine feet type of areas, bigger rooms, larger things like that, you'll want more misdirection and then, you know, the actor attack uh, after that misdirection, which, you know, will, will be a neat way to start building out and thinking of it. It's the stuff you got to think of as a haunt this right now in this, this time. Um, it's going to get competitive in, in the fall. And the, the other thing is too, is, you know, who are you looking for? Who are you marking to? It's, it's the thing that always bothers me is, you know, people will say, oh, I need help in my marketing. All right. Who who do you want to market to? Oh, everybody. Well, no, you don't. That's not how that works. You, you got to pick some people and bring them in. You can't physically have everybody at your haunt. So why try? I, I think a market which will be ripe this year is actually going to be foreign tourists. Because, you know, the, the people who normally come, come for the American Halloween experience, come for the, your amusement parks and that type of thing. Travel restrictions, ideally, hopefully, might be getting back towards a normal pace next fall, next October and something. So, you know, when Halloween Horror Nights is open again and Orlando is completely sold out, are people going to become looking at your area and your haunt? You know, is that quiet resort down the road suddenly going to become a pop for Swedish tourists who want the Halloween experience? You know, is, is that what you're going to have to look at? That, you know, well, this is where I want to market. This is, you know there's a travel agency or a travel websites bringing people in. That might be where you want to advertise next year. There was one, uh, positive, uh, from the pandemic. And I have no explanation for this at all. I, I saw this, my sales sales statistics say that too, um, five times fast with after just eating wings. Um, 77% of my sales between April and October was virus 308. No idea why. Regarding your CD collection and your discount. Downloads. So download okay. sales. Um, uh, I get a breakdown through CD Baby of what's sold from what platforms, you know, what streaming and all this. And 
tra- uh, the albums and tracks from Virus 308 made up 77% of my sales between April and October. And you guys know, I didn't do any advertising. I, I you know, I get occasional, you know, post here and there, or you or, you know, Drew or Jim or, or, or Storm commenting, commenting on something and tagging me in it. That was the only word of mouth that I did anything this year. Um, and yeah, I, I have no explanation for it. I thank everybody who bought it. I'm much appreciated. You know, I was able to do some upgrades for the system, my recording studio, but I have no explanation as to why that album was the top seller. I wonder uh, if it's just because it's virus in the title and people are like, ooh, virus. Let's let's see what this is all about. I don't know. It, it could be. <laughs> and and but you know, the bigger question is why they're searching out to have a soundtrack for the pandemic. You know, right. that's, that's a neat yeah, thing. I, I think what happened this year a lot too is this domino effect, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know people are used to it as a whole culture with it. And again, it's part of the fear of missing out and stuff. Neat little story that happened uh, here in Warwick. We had a lot of home haunters do just incredible displays for Halloween this year, and um, one guy who does a really great Halloween display every year changed his setup from like a farm in his front yard to literally the house from the 1978 movie Halloween. I mean, the actual facade, which was really neat. So in the spring, he had, you know, a haunt yard sale. And I I, I noticed a lot of people selling off some of that by social media and word of mouth and stuff. So what happened was uh, a, uh, I think she's like someone like 10 or 12 year old girl bought some of his, stuff in the in the summer for yard sale for her own thing and then she came to his haunt because she you know so excited and stuff with so you had this domino effect where you had haunters who've been doing it in the industry selling off some of their older stuff so that they can invest and do something new and bigger this year which inspired one or two other people who purchased yard stuff made it their own needed a soundtrack and had a bigger haunt display and stuff on it. I know, you know, myself this year, I pushed myself to do uh, the singing pumpkin projections on uh, uh, my lawn, you know, and had to use some mirrors and some things to project them so that they're singing from the top of my fence and hiding the uh, projector. But, you know, I've been talking about doing that for a couple of years, but pushed me to do it and buy the software and play around with it and run around in the pandemic with a mask on looking for the right size mirror, which was not easy. So I, I think there's a neat domino effect to it this year and people just wanting to try something and then, you know, we've all gotten that haunt bug and stuff. And it, you just, you know, you you go in, oh, I'm just, it's howling clearance. I'm just going to buy two things. And, you know, a couple hundred dollars later, you, you're going, I needed to bring the, the station wagon because it's not fitting in the Kia. How many of you saw the uh, 12-foot skeletons at someone's display this year? I didn't how think many there have was seen them left? How many have yeah. seen them at the Christmas display? I mean, that's the other thing. Oh, they yeah. So quick. And then they are still being used for Christmas. People are getting their three, four hundred dollars out of them. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. I've seen the pictures of Christmas displays and all that. And I'm like, oh, this is genius. So I mean, you know, one and unfor- you know, one thing unfortunately 
it, you know, we did uh, lose many people in the industry, unfortunately, to the pandemic. Uh, unfortunately, casualties uh, from the disease itself, and you know, it, that's always hard to 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 see. And, you know, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I'm trying not to bring it down. So. Yeah, but and, you know, to, to everybody that everybody that was lost, you know, it's like one can hope that everybody that you know those who are still with us, you know, from the haunt, the, from the you know the haunts that were affected, you know, will take their memory and you know, you know what we lost you this year. Next year we're going to come back bigger and better in honor, you know, in memory of these of the people that we've lost. You know, I mean, to try to get some type of positive out of the negative. I don't know if it was just because of the pandemic. We've had, you know, we always lead off the news with any passings in the haunt community that we're aware of. There was a lot of <clears throat> loss from cancer this year. There was a couple that were killed in a in a house fire. We mm -hmm. had a couple of auto accidents. And, and it's been all over the country. It, it has been a rough year for haunters not just pandemic wise, but just, you know, there was, I think we went like four weeks in a row with big scary show and big scary news reporting on the loss of another <clears throat> haunter. And, you know, that's not even, you know, going into Hollywood and, you know, some of the big name Hollywood actors who've passed, not just from COVID, but from other reasons, you know, we, we haven't had, you know, a major, major, like a Sid Haig this year, I believe he passed in 19. But, you know, there was a lot of, there's, there's been a lot of loss all around. You know, I've lost a couple of relatives, some to COVID, some not to. And I think, uh, personally, I've, I know 11 people that have died this year. And uh, that, that's a high number for, for me in any year, I guess, for I, anybody. But it's, been I think, seven, it's been 17 for me. Wow. And, and I and, think six of them were because of COVID, but the rest of them were you know, other reasons, but still, right. It's been bad regardless. Well, our former, um, our former webmaster, when we first started, um, Jimmy Talkington from Thorn web designs, uh, I found out his father passed away today, you know? So, to, you know, Jimmy is still my webmaster. I don't know if he still does your side or not, Drew. Um, you know, we may not, we, we may have, parted ways with the show on not so great terms, but, um, you know, I do, I want to personally pass on to Jimmy, my, my sympathies and condolences on the loss of his father. You know, this has just been a bad year in oh, all. I mean, thankfully there's been some good out of it. You know, we've seen communities pulling together, the haunt community pulling together, you know, and helping each other out, you know, um, and I just hope that next year, everything that good that came out of such a bad year continues to move forward and isn't just, okay, well, you know, that was last year. So I, I hope that everything continues to move, you know, all the, the good stuff just can, you know, domino effect and just keeps going. Absolutely. Well, it looks like, you know, we need to start winding this down. We have been talking a long time here. So let's, let's do kind of a little lightning round here where we'll go around here. I'll ask a question. Let's see what your opinions are. 
Uh, Transworld moved from March till May. Will they have Transworld May 6th through the 9th as they advertised? Will they delay it again, or will they have to cancel it this year? Your opinions only. Maybe. Maybe? Storm? Maybe. Um, I, I think it's probably the best move and the most optimistic one. Uh, they'll probably have some sort of physical show one way or another, and you know it, it's Transworld, so maybe they'll work out for the haunts and the people who need to do the major purchases and need some more one-on-one time with you know more select vendors. It's you know not going to be what it is definitely you know in the past, but I, I think it'll be a step in the right direction. Jim, how about you? I'm, I'm agreeing with Storm on, on this to a degree. Um, my question is, how is that going to affect Midwest Haunters if they even have it this year? Coming up? A very good question because Midwest is normally in early June and that is not a lot of time. And like a lot of people have mentioned, um, May is build season. You know, a lot of people are trying to get their stuff already built with plans from purchases they would have made two months earlier. So it will be very interesting to see. I think a lot of the smaller products will probably do very well. I think anybody out there looking to buy a 25 foot tall flying animatronic probably is going to have a problem this year. Um, let's see. Next question. Will you, you kind of brought it up. Will Midwest haunters happen in Chicago this year? Um, early June as they usually do. Based on them moving back Transworld, uh, I, I'm going to say I doubt that it will happen. Okay. Uh, Jerry? Go ahead. Sorry. I, if, if anything, um, I have a few, and I'm, I'm, I'm using this as a broad view for a lot of the conventions. If any have happened, I have a feeling that the physical conventions are going to be very... Uh, um, very very iffy. I have a feeling it's going to be more virtual than physical. Storm, and as far as as far as MHC, I'm doubtful. Okay, Storm, how about you? Uh, I think that type of schedule and the way things are falling out, um, if it does happen, it's going to be very different. Whether that means it's a completely cash and carry show, if it's more like you know a big haunt yard sale, um, you know it's a prime time to be outside. You know it, it might. It might you know that maybe they'll do an outside booth venue, uh, which isn't the worst thing for something like that. Maybe they might have to combine with one of your more traditional horror um, shows, which will be in the same type of thing, so that you're not going to look at a trade show itself. It'll be more horror themed with a uh, marketing gear towards haunted attractions, or maybe just to actors or something. So I, I, I don't think it's impossible. But it's it's definitely going to have a very different look, um, which could be good or bad. Interesting. Midwest Haunters uh, Day are, of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. And there are haunts now that are advertising for Valentine's Day shows. Will they go on? And I, I you know, not not taking into consideration whether or not your state will allow it or not. Will those haunts hold those events? I think it all depends on how, how if things are spiking or not. That's going to be the biggest deterrent, uh, not deterrent, but uh, factor, if things are spiking or not. 
Okay. Jim? Um, you know, it's, it's really hard to say. But, and you live down the road from Dent, which usually does a big Valentine's show, right? Uh, you know, they're not a big on the Valentine thing. It's usually just um, Halloween and Christmas. Oh. I know they did, did they do a Christmas this year? Past, but, uh, I didn't even hear if Dent did a Christmas this year or not. So, interesting. I don't recall seeing anything. It's, uh, hmm. you know, it's all just going to be so up in the air with, I mean... Everybody's hoping that the that the the vaccine is going to take hold, um, but it's going to take time, and it's going to take. You know, some people are going to have adverse reactions to it, and not everybody can get vaccinated all at once. So this the threat is still there, and it's going to be there for a while. Sure, Storm. Do you think there will be Valentine's Day haunts? Um. Yeah, I think it might be, you know, m- more of a choice that they might cancel it. You know, the haunts that do a Valentine's Day haunt, all the overhead is already set. It's more of an open door. You're not rebuilding. You're swapping out some elements. Uh, your haunt's already there. It's brick and mortar. It's something like that. So if you open at 25% capacity, you know, just be sitting there doing nothing anyway, you might want to get the thing out. I think it's more going to be depending upon local government, if they are in a situation to allow you to be open safely and, you know, have it work out. And it might even depend on schools because the Valentine's Day haunt and things we've seen, you know, even a little later haunts have done it, have been geared towards your typical spring break. And if schools aren't doing that, if they've shortened it or something, then maybe a haunt's not worth opening up. Uh, for the overhead. So I, I think it might be a little easier this year to say maybe we won't do it that weekend because of work and effort put in and the limited return. But we'll still right. see some. Do you guys think that some of the haunts that did not open for the season might actually take advantage of if they're able to open for Valentine's Day, we might see more of the Valentine's or even St. Patrick's themed haunts? That were around here, around here, most of the ones that did not open were all outdoors. And I don't see an outdoor haunt opening in February just because of weather. But um, indoor haunts, very possible. So I don't know. I know of very few all indoor haunts in this area. There's a couple. We're, We're still waiting on the Amish Arbor Day haunt. Yeah. And every uh, day is Arbor Day for the Amish. And I'll throw my last question out to all of you. Let's say, optimistically, the vaccine is working. Everybody is getting vaccinated at a reasonable rate. And within six months, let's say June, July, most things are opening, planning to open, working to, let's say, 60, 70, 75% of what it was a year ago, year and a half ago, how likely would it be that you would attend a convention or haunts next fall? Would you would you attend a flashback weekend in Chicago in August? Would you attend a Days of the Dead Indie in July? Would you attend, you know, three or four haunts in your town next year? Assuming the vaccine was working in these things, or or is the optimism or the pessimism or the uncertainty still too great for this year? 
it's still uncertain for me. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I, with as many people that I know I've lost this year from this, I, even at 60%, I'm going to be really sketchy about it personally. Storm? I don't know if I go on a hike on a Saturday night, but, you know, if, you know, the infection numbers are down, if it's, you know, fractions of what it is right now, if it's been dropping, that type of thing, yeah, I'll be more apt to it and want to search out that type of entertainment. I'm I'm really hopeful they're trying to do some mixes of some horror shows and the uh, local comic cons have been uh, missed over the past couple of years. So I'd love to get to one of those and and more of an off hour thing. But uh, again, it's going to be play it by ear. And, you know, I I think we'll have a feel of if stuff can be open safely and if we're moving in the right direction with stuff. And the big thing is going to be mental blocks with some of this stuff. You know, even, even now, if I'm in a store and somebody's creeping up on you, I get uncomfortable. And, you know, I had a little bit of that, uh, you know, uh, anxiety before I, I have personal space. Now, you know, when things start getting back to normal and it's not, you know, you have to be six feet away from somebody. Am, am I going to be uncomfortable? How long, how long am I going to be comfortable with people having, you know, masks and stuff? You know, if, if, if things are getting in mass restrictions are lessened because we don't have that much of a risk and, uh, you know, uh, vaccinations have increased, uh, well enough and are on pace, you know, am I going, how long is it going to take for me to go, why doesn't that person have a mask? You know, that type of thing is, is this reaction and this self-preservation that we've, you know, had to do to play into the odds and, and just roll with the numbers, you know, might be a little hard to get over. So it's tough. You could say, yeah, I want to do it and, and go with it now, but you know, are you going to have a panic attack if you actually see a line where people are closer than six feet together? Hmm. Oh, I've turned into, I've turned into an asshole at grocery stores. <laughs> God damn it, you son of a bitch! You don't give a bit. I mean, Don's actually told me to shut up a couple times. Uh, I tell you, so. every you, you need <laughs> after you need a old man. You need a bane mask. It is it has helped improve my shopping anxiety because I can walk around and the people going the wrong way or or wearing the chin bra. You know, I'm like, you know, if, you, <laughs> if you're not going, if you're not going, to put it over your mouth and nose. Just take the mask off so we can tell who you are. Uh, you know, it's it's much easier when you're doing it in the Batman Bane. Oh, so you don't want to help the people. Okay, old lady, just go about your business. See if I care or if I break your back like the Batman. The hell? <laughs> just, just pull your bottom lip over your head and breathe in. How about you, Jim? Well, you know, I'm I'm on the fence because... You know, I did brave it this past season, mask in hand and and small groups, and everybody was, you know, as social distance as they could be. Um, but with the way things are going on, I, I you know, I, like I said, I'm on the fence. I mean, if this vaccine takes hold, I might be a little more inclined, but I'm just, it's going to be a wait and see for me to see how things progress. Can't argue with I that. Think- as- I think we all want the same thing. We, you know, in a realist, you know, we all want next year to be able to have some semblance of normalcy, whatever the hell that'll be. But it's just, 
it, 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 like Storm said, it's put a lot of fear for a better way of, you know, way of putting it in everybody of, you know, I agree with him. Uh, you know, I, am I going to have a panic attack? Cause this asshole's got his, you know, you know, not got it under his chin or, you know, the, the aisle in the, in the grocery store where the cereal is, there's too many people in it. It's, there's just so much uncertainty and you, you, we've all become conditioned for a better way of putting it of what's it going to take to finally get back into that comfort zone again, because this has affected everybody. Any, anybody who sits there and says, Oh, it doesn't affect me. You're lying. Right. This has affected everybody in one way or another in the amount of, what's comfortable for me now, you know, and I, I would love to be able to wake up, you know, wake up, you know, January 1st and Hey, guess what? <laughs> it was a joke. People, it ain't going to happen. It, the ramifications from this are going to take years, but we can always try to have that, you know, cautious optimism of next year, you know, by, you know, by August, June, whatever, things start showing some decline, you know, we start seeing declines. The vaccine is, you know, the vaccine is working. People are, t- you know, it's not becoming a political, you know, you know, dumpster fire and everybody is working together. It would be nice to be able to say, hey, we're going to have a season next year. Hey, we're actually going to have <clears throat> HuntCon or Transworld, and it's not online. You you'll be able to actually go. That would be great. It, think, you know, it just depends. I think the big factor is going to be whether or not concerts come back this summer. They've talked about you know late 2021. Some people are saying they're not even going to tour until 2022 just to, quote, make sure, unquote. Right. But I think that if if the big summer touring bands come out and people will go to them because they didn't go this year because there was none and nothing spikes and nothing goes crazy and people are, you know, being safe, I think that would be a really big positive step in the right direction towards whether or not we'll have a very successful haunt season. The first year that there is no, there's no pandemic at all. You know, if you're a haunt owner, you know, start making your down payments on your yachts. Cause you're probably going to make a ton of money because everybody's going to be coming to see you. Hopefully half, half the musicians I know here in Columbus came down with COVID because they all went, Oh, it's just the flu. And half of them got the damn thing. And I'm going, huh, maybe I should have thought a little more about this first. Right. The band I'm in just got added to the summer schedule at a private club down in South Carolina. So we'll be in a rotation down there. So we are cautiously optimistic at this point, assuming that they will have shows every Friday, Saturday night and Sunday afternoons and you know, we're we're probably going to play at least three or four times down there, assuming it's safe to do so. But uh, but to me, that's what I'm keeping a very close eye on. 
keeping an eye on the concerts and the club scenes and, and we'll see from there. Oh, my band has made it very, we, we actually all talked a couple days ago. We are not getting together at all until it's safe. I mean, two, two, two of the guys have come down with COVID already. And these right. are, they fall in that percentage of people that went, Hey, you know, you know, it's just, you know, we, we're taking the precautions, you know, to, no. Yeah. Well, one guy has got it twice already. Wow. Because, well, lead singer disease, self-explanatory there. So, so he was already at risk. Ugh. No, like yeah. the microphone. <laughs> no, he just he that's he doesn't want to have a day job. So, so he just kept putting his family at risk. Mm-hmm. And now his wife has said, <laughs> "Do it one more time." Well, then have fun sleeping in your car. I think folks. every wife of every lead singer has had that conversation at one point. <laughs> not because of COVID, though. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> not because, that's a completely different story for a different show. Yeah, and, and we, we might have that conversation on a future roundtable. But again, you know, we've been talking an awful long time here. So basically, the overall attitude with the, with the Gahos is we're going to be cautiously optimistic and let's all hope for the best. So folks... Wash your hands, use sanitizer, wear your mask. Let's get through this thing. I mean, it's there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's it's still a ways out there, but hopefully there'll be some haunts opening up for Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day. Hopefully West Coast Haunters is going on. Hopefully Transworld's going on. Hopefully Midwest is going on. Mad Monster Party, uh, Monster Palooza, Son of Monster Palooza, Flashback Weekend, Days of the Dead, all the different conventions, the Comic-Cons, and, of course, the haunted houses for 2021. We all want you open. We all want you being safe and, of course, being scary. Because 2020 was just pretty much a scary enough year. But I want to thank the host for making this roundtable possible, including Storm. You know, I got a new fixation now because you mentioned, you know, using your haunt money from, you know, cashing in to buy a yacht. And then it got me thinking, well, (laughs) we got all these empty cruise ships just floating around right now. So why can't we just take one of those and make a haunt on that? So, yes, I need my giant haunted yacht and just go park it in Newport. They call it the Queen Mary. Eh, That's that's a a tourist attraction. USS the Storm of the Seas will be the greatest one. Oh, God. <laughs> storm of the Seas. <coughs> you can put a down, take that stimulus check and put a down payment on one. We got to talk to Meat Hook Jim. Um, you know, I hope everybody has a better 2021. And, you know, again, cautiously optimistic. Let's hope for the best, prepare for the worst, and move forward. We want to thank Jerry Vane. I see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's orange. And a big sign saying, Happy after Halloween. <laughs> My name is Drew Badger. And all I can say is, again, folks, support your local haunts, but do it safely. This is the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. Storm of the Seas! Oh, Jesus. And how is that website made? Is it? <laughs> Maybe .net or .org. Or .com.
and enthusiasts. Join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Ragdolls, Halloween night, on the Big Scary Show. I only want that 
Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. Welcome to 2021. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm a little distant, but uh, this time of the year is not a good time for me. Uh, and that's why I wanted to talk about uh, Between the Corpses um, really is a metaphor also because uh, my youngest brother uh, died two years ago on New Year's Day. And... It was because of drugs, plain and simple. Uh, unfortunately, my brother had an addictive personality, and he kept going down the wrong paths, and it eventually, it eventually killed him. Um, he was 46 years old when this happened. So New Year's Day is kind of bittersweet for me. And I don't have a lot to talk about, so I'm just going to say this. Let's hope for a better 2021. Let's hope for the end to this pandemic. And most importantly of all, be good to each other. And if you find somebody that has an addiction problem, get them help. Try to get them help. Um, and if they're friends, if they're, they're close friends, you know, it's your responsibility as a friend to talk to them and try to get them out of this because it's a one-way street to, to nowhere. And I, I don't wish this on anybody, but it, it was really hard. So just remember your friends and family. All right? Thanks.
welcome once again, dear Frighteners, to yet another edition of the Weister's Haunted Vista. And here we are in 2021. My wife and I said everyone out there listening our best wishes for a much more prosperous, enjoyable, and healthy new year. Because quite frankly, 2020 can be put in front of a firing squad post-haste. Oh, wow. Good landing, man. Yeah, you couldn't say it that better, could you? Regardless of all of that, we're going to start 2021 here on the Vista with a pinch of this and a pinch of that. Ouch! Stop already with the pinching! Okay, bad puns notwithstanding. As I mentioned last episode, I'll be scaling back my participation here on the Big Scary Show to once a month for the foreseeable future. Who knows? I may go back to two shots a month sometime down the road, but for now, due to work commitments, I have to keep it at this level. I still have plenty of ideas, suggestions, and material to draw upon, so it's not like I'm going to vanish into the ether. But for now, I'm going to start 2021 with a movie review. And it's a bit off-center for a big scary show, but fits in line with the comic book genre. As most of you probably figured out, I'm referring to none other than Wonder Woman 1984, which was released both to movie theaters on a limited distribution basis and to HBO Max simultaneously on Christmas Day. My life hasn't been what you probably think it has. We all have our struggles. Have you ever been in love? A long, long time ago. You? So many times. Yeah, all the time. Welcome to the future. Life is good, but it can be better. And why shouldn't it be? All you need is to want it. Think about finally having everything you always wanted. I can save today, but you can save the world. take what I want in return. Everyone will see. Born from lies. And greatness is not what you think. It's just a trash can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, point blank. Most of you here are internet savvy in the extreme. There's no getting around that. And I'm quite certain the lion's share of you have also read the online reviews, which have either castigated this film as one of the worst superhero films ever 
or call it one of the best Wonder Woman interpretations ever, or basically just kind of went, meh. Well, I'm here to tell you that I fall somewhere along the lines of between meh and not bad. The crux of it is this is a nice piece of light-hearted fantasy superhero action fare, which came as a big relief at the end of a very, very grim 12 months as we all are well aware of. I will start with the problems first. Numero uno. This film is much more lighthearted in tone and the plot is kind of off the wall. I mean, a wish stone? Really? As the catalyst for all the problems that follow in the plot line? Nah, didn't quite cut it. Especially on the heels of the film's predecessor, the 2017 Wonder Woman, which was one of the top three or four greatest ever comic book films ever made. There's just no comparing the two. Making an educated guess here, one, I think people were definitely expecting a more grim tone to the film, a la the original, but this comes off as almost like a 1980s silly uh, buddy flick in some aspects. It's not completely kitsch, but if you watch it carefully enough, I mean, I'll give director Patty Jenkins full props. She captures the mood of the 1980s beautifully in this film. And trust me, she takes some side swipes that are very accurate in terms of our culture nowadays as well, but I'll get to that in a moment. Another disappointing aspect of this film is the villains. Once again, you've got villain overdose, and neither are really fully developed or even all that close to their comic book counterparts. Obviously, everybody had their breath held for Kirsten Wig as Cheetah, a.k.a. Dr. Barbara Minerva, and we kind of got let down by this. I mean, to be perfectly blunt and beware, here come the spoilers. Wig only becomes Cheetah in the last third of the film, and that's only for about 10-15 minutes and right at the tail end. And really, although they do a marvelous job, I mean, she looks like she stepped right out of the pages of the book. The character is underdeveloped and... After that huge advertising campaign they've had for the past 12 to 16 months, you really expected her to be the center villain of the piece, and she's basically relegated to the background. Very disappointing, and again, the character is underdeveloped. She spends more time as Barbara than anything else when she makes her little wish, and, well, her character basically goes downhill in a moral sense for the rest of the film until she finally becomes the half-cat half-woman, uh, adversary of Wonder Woman. And it's really a shame, too. Cheetah is basically Wonder Woman's Joker, if you get my drift, and this would have been a marvelous opportunity to play with the ins and outs of their dynamic. But you can't cry over spilt milk. Next up is Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord, and he does a very good job with the material he's given, but he's nowhere near his comic book counterpart. Long-term readers of the book series know what I'm talking about. This is a nasty piece of work, and this is a very, very thinned-out, watered-down version of the character. Adding to this, both Cheetah and Maxwell Lord are humanized considerably for the cause of the script, and while it does work, it disappoints as well. And again, you hearken back to that Wishstone thing, and it's like, lost opportunity. That also brings in Chris Pine as his return as Steve Trevor, which involves the Wishstone as well. And you have an interesting romantic aspect of the film between Diana and Trevor, and a conclusion to their love story as well. I'm not going to give away too much on this, but in that respect, I think they did a beautiful job. Will Pine be back for Wonder Woman 3, which just got announced itself? Who knows? It remains to be seen. And again, you have to remember, Steve Trevor is 
essential to the Wonder Woman character, so I suspect he'll be back again, though how they're going to talk their way out of this is beyond me at this point. Not that the film is a complete washout. Visually, it's absolutely stunning. And the first 10 minutes where Diana reminisces on a particular incident in her childhood are absolutely fantastic. One of the highlights of the films. Also, in attendance, the Invisible Jet makes an appearance, not to mention the infamous winged golden armor that Diana touts in the last third of the film. Though, to be quite honest, as little as it's featured, they really shouldn't have bothered. And yes, Diana does take to the skies in the third act of the film. The acting is fantastic. Even though Pedro goes a wee bit over the top in the last third, it comes with the territory. As I said, this is a very light-hearted film, and if you take it in that respect, it's actually a lot of fun. I enjoyed this quite a bit. It won't be remembered as fondly as the 2017 film, but as it stands, it's still very enjoyable, and it's kid-friendly. I mean, there are certain messages here about family and loyalty and ambition and being content in your own circumstances as well. They're subtle, but they're definitely there. And I have to give credit where credit is due. Director Patty Jenkins takes a nasty and pretty accurate swipe at Donald Trump through the character of Maxwell Lord. Look for it. It's there. And believe me, some of them will really crack you up if you look hard enough. Aside from that visually, again, stunning, this thing is eye candy in the highest example, and it's more of a romantic film. As I said, lighthearted, but it concludes the Trevor Prince relationship in a semi-tragic way but at the same time Chris Pine is contracted for three films so I highly doubt we've seen the last of Mr. Trevor unless it'll be in flashbacks but that really remains to be seen. Wonder Woman 3 is on the boards to show up sometime in 2023-24 and also depends on what goes on with the COVID crisis but it is definitely confirmed. On a five-point scale, one being lowest, five being highest, I'm going to give Wonder Woman 1984 about two and a half to three stars. It's not the worst thing that could have happened, and as I said, considering our circumstances right now, it's probably one of the best pieces of light entertainment to come along all year long, but after the enormous success artistically and creatively of the Wonder Woman 2017 film, it does let down. But that's not to say it's a complete disappointment. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. Go see it. You'll enjoy it. And I sincerely hope Wonder Woman 3, which Gal Gadot has made no bones about it, that'll be the conclusion of a trilogy, kicks up the creative, artistic, and intensity level just a few notches. I enjoyed the film, but I was expecting a lot more. And that's the only flaw I really have with it. Something I wanted to comment upon before I wrap this up in terms of big blockbuster films and movie theaters and the like with coronavirus raging still out there. With the release of both Wonder Woman 84 and Tenant to home video and movie theaters at the same time, I'll be curious to see how this is going to affect the industry. Straight and to the point, going to see the movies in the past years has been a major expenditure. I mean, seats anywhere from 12 to $17 Five bucks for a box of Junior Mints, seven dollars for a water or a Coke, ten bucks for a barrel of popcorn. Are you kidding me? Needless to say, COVID-19 gave this industry a good fat black eye. Actually, a couple of them. Now, my friend was commenting that the digital download thing will definitely change how the industry is perceived and how people watch big films nowadays, and I agree with it, at least for the time being until the vaccines take hold, which could be anywhere from mid-summer to late fall, remains to be seen, right? 
But I suspect if the movie theater industry wants to stay afloat, they're going to have to stop gouging people, especially since the big theaters are more than willing to throw these things at cable TV and pay-per-view. I mean, honestly, especially with the Internet nowadays and HBO Max and all these other services, it won't be very hard for these things to change hands for much cheaper prices. Not to mention the fact with it not really being all that safe to go outside in a crowded theater like that right now. <laughs> Is this the end of movie theaters? No, I doubt it very much. Second-run theaters are always going to have an audience, and believe me, sometimes they're a nice alternative if you're willing to wait a few extra months. But big-run theaters and first-runs, they're going to have to change their ball game, in my honest opinion. We have not seen the end of that, but the prices are going to have to change. And if they start gouging people after we come out of all of this, with all the economic problems as well, well, they're going to sign their own death warrants, if you honestly ask me. Tom Hanks recently made an interesting observation in the press, saying that movie theaters will survive, but they will be dominated by the big giants like Marvel and Warner Brothers and things like that. I digress on that, but he does have a valid point, at least for the time being. I guess the basic answer is just wait and see, and that we all shall. Comments, critiques, suggestions? Want to tell me to go jump in the lake? Drop me a line at erviceter at woh.rr.com. I'm not on Facebook anymore and probably won't ever be again, but that's a long story. Remains to be seen. Keep an eye on Instagram, by the way. I reply to all responses, and I listen to all critiques, and I'm more than willing to start up a conversation with any and all, but it'll cost you a cup of coffee, even if it's virtual. Take a gander over at my blogspot page, the Vicer's Halloween Haunt Journal, full of news and reviews you can use and abuse, and I love how that rolls off the tongue. Next month on the Vista... Not 100% sure, but we're going to revert back to the Halloween season once again. And I have a few aces up my sleeve, so you'll just have to wait and see. So until then, always remember to spend ghoulies credo and brush your fangs, comb your face, drink your milk before it clots, bite mama goodnight, and always remember that I hid the body just because I could hide the body. I really don't have anything clever to say. Once more, on behalf of the Big Scary Show staff, I want to extend our best wishes for 2021 to all of you out there, but in particular from my wife, Lisa, and I. Be happy, be healthy, be safe. This too shall pass, and may the new year bring all your dreams come true, or at the very least bring some civility and peace back into our nation. Until next time, until next month, we'll see you then. Take care. I want to tell you about two new pictures from Allied Artists. One is a new kind of horror film called Blood Rose. The other is a science fiction thriller called The Body Stealers. They are the most shocking, terrifying films I have ever seen. Blood Rose. Terror in the face of a woman driven mad by a mutilating accident. Her lover seeking to restore her beauty by stealing the faces of young women lured to his evil chateau. Torturing Blood Rose. Skydivers snatched out of space by alien invaders from another world. The body stealers. What is their mission on Earth? Who is the alluring doctor who communicates with those in outer space? Because of explicit nudity and scenes of violent, shocking horror, Blood Rose and the body stealers are rated R. Children under 17 won't be admitted without parent or guardian. Blood Rose, the body stealers. Two films to keep you in terror.
met him 15 years ago, I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Van Helsing's Curse Halloween on the Big Scary Show.
Ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karen. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karen. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karen.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios Dark Imaginings Von Caron Productions Haunt Pay Ticket Leap and Creepy Collection we would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, master of the Ether Muse, as well as the Fordga hosts, including Storm, Rants and More, HauntMinute.com, The Unknown Scare Actor, Actor Trainer and Traveling Actor Troupe. For more information, check out MallMonsters.com, that's M-A-U-L Monsters.com. Drew Badger, Actor Trainer and Consultant. Find out more at rabidbadger.org. And Jerry Vane, the Hauntstrumentalist, for all your heavy metal and haunt needs. JerryVane.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.